Welcome to the podcast of Vertical Life Church. We hope and pray these messages encourage and challenge you to find your glorious purpose in Christ Jesus. For more information, visit us on the web at www.vlchurch.tv. Today is a day unlike any other. It's Resurrection Day. For those of you that are new, my name is Pastor Joey, and, and I'm so thankful that you chose to spend some time with us this morning. Uh, you've got to believe that we've been praying for you. We've been praying as a church that God would bring everyone here that needed to be here today, those that God wanted to touch and speak to, and, and that our prayer is that today is a blessing for you, that you walk away a little differently than you came in. And today's not just a day for blessing. I believe also it's a day for healing. Today's a day for healing. Now, we started a new teaching series last week in honor of what many call Holy Week or the Passion Week, the week that really celebrates all the events that surround the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so last week, we were talking about Palm Sunday and what we can learn from Palm Sunday and how that can encourage our faith. And this week, as we've gone through the week, Thursday night, it was the night Jesus was betrayed. It was the Last Supper. Uh, that's where communion comes from. That's why we have the elements in the back, and we encourage you to stop by the table and just observe the Lord's Supper as an act of worship when you're with us, because Jesus said, as often as you eat it, do this in remembrance of me. And so we provide it, so every time we come together, we remember why we come. It's because he died, paid the price for our sins, and then three days later rose, rose again. He rose on the third day. So Thursday is the Last Supper, Friday is Good Friday, and, and a few of us got together and we watched the Passion of the Christ to remember, you know, what he did and get a visual of what he did for us, and we had communion together in a time of prayer and worship, and it was really special, and, and I'm hoping to start that as a, not just a family tradition, because we do that in our home, but to maybe start a church family tradition of getting together and remembering his death. But beloved, he didn't stay dead. It wasn't just a sorrowful story, but he promised, and he always keeps his promises. Amen? God never fails. He cannot lie. When he tells you he's going to do something, he does it. The Bible says he's not a man that he should change his mind and be fickle. God is trustworthy. You can take every promise to the bank. It will be fulfilled exactly as he promised. And so the events of this week are arguably the most important events that have ever transpired in history. They've had the greatest impact on the world than probably any singular event in all of human history. But the impact of this week didn't just end with this week. It continued on. It continues on after the resurrection. What happens for the next 40 days? And then when Jesus ascends to heaven, something else happens after that is the Spirit of God is poured out. And there are many incredible events that happen because of this day right here. Paul said it himself. He said, if Jesus isn't risen from the dead, we're the most miserable people in all the world. We're to be pitied more than any other. But in fact, Jesus has risen from the dead, and that makes the difference. That makes the ultimate difference. And out of that comes so many blessings, so many amazing things. And one of the most amazing stories to come out of the resurrection, this, this event that we're celebrating today, is a man named Saul of Tarsus. Saul was a bad dude. He was a mean mug, if you know what I mean. He defined mean mugging. 
right? You didn't want to know Saul when he was running around doing his thing. Saul was a, a Pharisee. He was a, of a high order in the Jewish sect. He was well-to-do. He was well-known. He was well-trained, and he was passionate and zealous for his religion and for, for what he believed was the right way to honor God. And so when Christ uh, came on the scene, and when he, he, the reports of him rising from the dead started happening, and more and more people were leaving his faith to follow now Jesus, he didn't like it so much. He got ticked, and so he went to the religious leaders of his day, and he said, hey, guys, I got an idea. How about we just kill them all? And he became a terrorist to the Christian faith. He got orders to go from city to city, town to town, knock down doors, drag people out, throw them into prison, and even murder some of them. And so Saul was a bad dude, and if he was coming to town, you didn't want to be there. Everyone feared Saul. But then something happened in Saul's life. It happened in a moment. As he's going to Damascus, as he's on his way to continue this thing that he had in his heart to do, to take out, to snuff out this Christian faith, he has an encounter with the risen Lord. Jesus appears to him. He speaks to him. He calls him into his true identity. And in a moment, the man goes from hunting down Christians, killing Christians, trying to destroy Christianity, to being one of its greatest leaders and best missionary the world has ever seen. It's a, it's a fantastic story how a guy can go from murdering the very people he hated to becoming one of them and then leading them in their mission. It's a story that baffles skeptics. And it's a story that still speaks to us today because if Jesus could change the trajectory of this man's life from taking Saul to turning him into Paul, then he can take our lives and do something remarkable with them. God can take anyone. Paul even said, he says, I'm the greatest sinner the world has ever known, and God is still using me. So look at my life, and look what God's done with me, and you can be encouraged. God can do the same with you. Do you know it, beloved, that God has a plan for your life, for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope, and it's found in Jesus Christ? Such an awesome, awesome thing. Well, Paul wrote several letters to the church, and in the book of Philippians, he begins uh, to writing to this letter to encourage them. And in chapter 3 of Philippians, he starts to tell them about his former life, things that, that used to describe his life. And before he became a believer, he was a, he was a pretty important guy. He was, he was trained in the highest schools by the best teachers. He was wealthy. He was prominent. He was of the highest order. He had all the social, economic, and religious success that a person could ever want. And in a moment, he turns his back on all of it to follow Jesus. That's why it doesn't make sense to the skeptical mind. How could someone who has it all by the world's standard give all of it up and end up dying for the faith he said he wanted to destroy? It baffles the mind. But he's writing to this church about, you know, what, where he was and how he had everything and how he was able to turn his back on it. And he begins to describe the reason why in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. Here's what he says. He says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Everything I've ever done, everything I've ever accomplished, every success, accolade, stature, every opportunity, no matter what it is I had before that the world would desire or want to chase after, I counted all as worthless compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ. For this sake, I've discarded it, counting it all as garbage 
so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I became righteous through faith in Christ. He realized that he couldn't get to heaven on his own by his own accord, his own good works, because there are not enough good works in the world to overcome all the sin that we struggle with every day. No matter how many rules or how religious you are, no matter how many church services you've been to, no matter how, how many offerings you tipped in, doesn't matter what you've done, there's not enough good in the world for you to overcome the sin that's on your life. And so he gave up the law in his own effort. Why? To become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way is of making us right with himself depends on faith. Verse 10, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection of the dead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we welcome you here. Lord, I'm so glad that you never leave us or forsake us. You're never far. God, we ask you to come and fill this place with your presence. God, that you would open our ears that we can hear, open our eyes that we can see. Open our hearts that we can receive what you have for us today and believe and respond in a mind that understands. God, increase our faith today. Glorify Jesus by revealing him, Holy Spirit. And we ask you, God, that when the time comes to respond, Lord, that you would have your way and that we would be changed today by your glorious presence in the good news of the gospel of Christ. Lord, we love you. We're so thankful for today. We're so thankful that the stone was rolled away. We praise you, Jesus, for being the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. We thank you, Son of God, for loving us enough to give yourself, and Father, for loving us enough to send your Son. Be glorified in us this morning. And all God's people said, amen. So here Paul is telling us why he turned his back on all this success, all this worldly success. And there are really two takeaways that I want to highlight today as we're, we're here briefly. The first success or the first takeaway from him turning his back and all this, number one, is that you can know Christ. Like you can really know him. Right? Jesus is not myth, made up. He's not a good thought. He's not an old sage. He's not a once good prophet. Jesus is God incarnate. He's risen from the dead, seated at the right hand of power. He's on his throne with all power and authority, reigning forever and ever and ever. And this God of ours who loved us enough to give himself as a sacrifice for our sins not only is revealed but can be known. He can be known. And not just in a religious sense, like coming to an organized place that's dedicated to worshiping God and, and doing religious things. No, God can be known like your spouse is known. Like your friend is known. Jesus can be known like the most intimate and close sibling you've ever had. The scripture says there's a, a friend who sticks closer than a brother, and that's Jesus. You can be a friend of God, and you can know him. But Paul says there's a way that we come to know him. In Hebrews 11, 6 the writer of Hebrews says this. He says, it's impossible to please God without faith. Somebody say faith. 
Right? Paul just said in Philippians 3, he said, I, I, I want to know him, and the way to be made right with him is through faith. And here the writer of Hebrews is saying it's impossible to even please God without faith. You, you can't get on God's good side without faith. But when you have faith, look at what he says. Anyone who wants to come to him, you must first believe he exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. God doesn't just ask for faith. He wants to reward your faith. So it's not just believing that the Bible stories are true or just thinking that they're true. It's putting your trust in the truth of Scripture, acting on that, beginning to seek that, and then God comes in with the reward. You see, our world has it backwards. We're very scientifically minded. We create our hypothesis, and then we do our test, and then we look for the evidence. But that's not the way God works. We don't, we don't, we don't get the evidence before we come to the truth. We come to the truth, and then the evidence comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. The evidence you're looking for, the reality of God in your life, comes when you launch your faith into trusting that not only he's real and that he's alive and he's forevermore, but that he's faithful and his word is true. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So it's not just having faith, it's having faith in something specific, in Jesus Christ himself. You know, we, we have modern technology. Don't you like modern technology? It's made life so much easier. I remember the, the days when I used to sell insurance. I had to buy a road atlas for every state that I sold insurance in. And I used to have them in my glove box or tucked between my seat. You know, you have to get it out and flip through the pages and find the county you're in and navigate where you're going. But nowadays, you just put in an address, and your phone tells you how to get there. And if you miss the turn, it slaps you upside the head, says, you idiot, rerouting, 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 you know, gets you back on track. So the GPS, it's a modern invention. It's an incredible thing. You put in the address, it tells you where to go. It tells you all the different ways you can get to that location. But did you know that if you don't have the right route, you're still not getting to the destination? Here's a little fun experiment you can take today. If all roads lead to heaven, as many claim, well, let's see if all roads lead to your home after church. When you leave the parking lot, don't turn towards your home. Turn away from your house and just keep driving. And let's see if you end up home one day in the next decade. It doesn't work that way, right? It, it, it baffles the mind why we think that every road, every, any which way anyone wants to go, ends up to the same place. It doesn't work that way. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So it's not just having faith in something or believing there's something bigger than myself that's out there that's in control or, or we're not going to know here, but one day we'll find out. No, it's Jesus said, he said, it's me and me alone. I'm the way. Why? Because he paid for our sins. And he was risen from the dead. And God put him at the right hand of power. If you want to go to God's heaven, you have to go God's way. And it's through Jesus. You must believe and put faith into action by beginning to seek Jesus in your life. Then Paul says the second takeaway, he said there are rewards. 
there's rewards. The writer of Hebrews says there's rewards for seeking the Lord. Paul says it's not just faith that makes us right with God, but then there's something else. There's a reward that's coming. He alluded to the fact that Jesus did rise from the dead, but there's a day coming that the Bible calls the great resurrection. There's a day when Jesus is going to return. And in that day, the dead who have believed in Christ are going to come up from the grave. If you're a YouTuber, that's a day you want your phone out. Like, you want to capture that, and all of a sudden, the ground's shaking, and all the pits start opening up, and the dead just start climbing out. Like, yeah, that's, that's going to be awesome, you know? And then we're going to rise to meet Christ in the air. Those who are living are going to meet Christ after the dead meet Christ. And there we're going to be changed. We're going to have a new body. And in that day, he promises no sorrow, no crying, no pain, no struggle. None of the junk we wrestle with in this broken world will ever be ever again. Why? Because he's coming back to put an end to all of it. It's the great resurrection. There is a great reward to putting your faith and trust in Christ. And this is just a side note. I don't know if your mind works like me, but if, if that day comes and we're caught up into the clouds with Jesus, and those who have died come out of the grave and they meet Jesus, you ever wonder what happens to organ donors? If somebody was a believer and donated their organs before they died, what happens to the recipient? Just saying. That's just the way my mind works. A little food for thought. It might be a little bit of a shock on Resurrection Day. But the great resurrection is coming. And you can join Jesus in the resurrection by trusting in him through your faith. But not only is the great resurrection coming, but Paul tells us in his letter to the book of Romans, to the, to the Romans, in Romans 8, that someone else has been sent here while Jesus is away. His name is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has come to do several things, one of which is to reveal Jesus. And the scripture says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead comes to live inside all who believe. And what he does is he reveals the power of God and the glory of God. He reveals resurrection power. He gives us glimpses of glory, a foretaste of that future glory in the resurrection we can experience in the here and now. And there are really three ways I want to highlight that the Spirit reveals that resurrection power in our life today. There are three things really that Jesus did for us on the cross that he, he accomplished on the cross for us, and they're found in Isaiah chapter 53. Beginning in verse 3, here's what it says. It says, He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness. Somebody say weakness. It was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows. Somebody say sorrows. It was our sorrows that weighed him down, and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for our own sins. But he was pierced for our what? For our rebellion, and he was crushed for our what? Our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole, and he was whipped so we could be healed. Jesus didn't just go to the cross for just dying for sin. He went to accomplish something great, that the man of God, the woman of God could be healed wholly and completely. There are three things Jesus bore for us is our weakness. In the original Hebrew language, that really just means sickness, weakness in the body. 
So Jesus bore on his cross our sicknesses, our infirmities, our illnesses, the things released into the world because of sin, Jesus bore on the cross. The second is our sorrows. That's emotional trauma and pain. Jesus bore our emotional trauma and pain on the cross. And the third thing is our sin and our sinful attitudes, our rebellion, the part of us that wants to run from God, not run to God, and the things we do out of that. And beloved, he was beaten so we who are broken can be made whole. He was whipped so that by his stripes we can be healed. See, Jesus' death on the cross, the shedding of his blood, it did satisfy the wrath of God, so the coming judgment is not for believers. His death satisfied the wrath of God. So even though the wages of sin is death, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. He offers us eternal life. So though he satisfied the wrath of God, he offers us a reward, and that reward is healing. Now, there's a term we use often in the church. It's found in Romans 10, 13. Paul writes to the church of Rome. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Somebody say saved. First thing I like about this verse, it says everyone. There are no exemptions. There are no prequalifiers. If you turn to Christ, you will be saved. You will be saved. That word saved has three connotations to it. In the Greek, it's the word sozo, and it means to be delivered, to be healed, and to be made whole. To be healed, to be delivered, and to be made whole. These are the very things Isaiah said Jesus bore for us on the cross. See, the reward to a believer in Christ is this resurrection power, not just to clean your slate before God, to forgive your sins, not just in bringing comfort to healing a broken heart, but also the, the power to break all the oppression of the enemy on your life and every sickness and every curse, everything the enemy's thrown at you your whole life. The power of God is released through faith in Christ. Jesus died to undo all Satan's mess and offer us the reward of his life. Right? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but he came to give us a rich and satisfying life. Now, when you think about this, when you think about this in, from our human standpoint, in our world, in our modern day, in our modern context, if you've not been in, grown up in church and just grew up with these stories so you're real familiar, maybe you're like, man, that's, that seems pretty extraordinary. Seems kind of hard to believe. There might be some people who have been in church their whole lives here that feel the same thing. They're, that's kind of hard to believe. Well, beloved, an incredible story are often the hardest to believe. Incredible stories are often the hardest to believe. And the story of the resurrection was an incredible story, even for those that lived, walked, and talked with Jesus. The guys that hung out with him every day, that went where he went, that saw him do the miracles, that saw him raise Lazarus from the dead, that saw him heal the blind and heal every manner of sickness, to feed the 5,000 with just five loaves and two fish, all these remarkable things, to see him walk on the water. I don't know if I could be friends with somebody after that. 
You're in a boat, and they come walking on the water. I'm like, nope, 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 you know? That would freak me out. But they saw all of these things. But in Luke 24, as the women who went to anoint Jesus' body after his burial, they, they, they see the tomb empty. The stone's been rolled away. They have this encounter with the angel. And he says, go and tell the brothers, go tell the disciples that he's not here. He's not dead. He's alive forevermore. And then he's going ahead of you to Galilee. That they do as they're instructed. They go to tell the disciples, Jesus isn't dead. He's alive. And look what happens in Luke 24, beginning in verse 10. It says, now Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them told them these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. And they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Peter was also the only guy to get out of the boat when Jesus was walking on the water. That dude had some guts. Right, but think about what just happened. These women had this encounter at the tomb. He's not there. Go and tell him. And so these guys that had lived and breathed knew of his miracle power, saw what he could do, saw he had power over demons, saw he had power to raise the dead, all these things. When they heard that he had risen from the dead, they didn't believe. They thought it was an idle tale. When Paul encountered Christ, he was drastically changed. And beloved, the Lord has the same invitation to you today, the same invitation he gave Paul. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. But if you want to come to him, you've got to believe he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And Jesus said, if you seek me, you'll find me because I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. There's a step that you have to take in your life. As you seek, he'll reward. He'll forgive. He'll save. And he'll heal. For some, he's going to heal your broken body. For some, he's going to heal your broken heart. For some, he's going to heal your broken soul. You lived your whole life disconnected from God you feel abandoned by God or you feel unworthy to approach God. You feel not good enough. Some of you maybe thought that this building was going to catch on fire when you walked in the door today. I know people like that. I've had conversations like that. You feel like you've messed up your life so badly that God couldn't love you and you're putting everyone else's life in danger for lightning strikes because you're coming to church today. Beloved, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. No one's exempt. As you seek, you will find. As you trust him, you're going to encounter him. Let's bow our heads for prayer for just a moment. Beloved, there are two responses. Two responses that you can make today. Just like the disciples did when they heard the news of Jesus rising from the dead. You can be like the other disciples and you can count all this as like an idle tale, just myth, just stories. Or like Peter, you can go and seek. You can go and see for yourself. You can launch your faith 
to trust in Jesus. Trust what he's done for you. Trust what he plans for you. And like Peter, walk away marveling at everything that had happened. I believe God has set up some really profound encounters this morning. My question is, is do you know him? Do you know the Lord Jesus? Paul said you can know him. You can know him intimately. You can know him personally. Do you just know about him or do you know him? And the follow-up question is, is do you want to know him? Do you want to know him? If that's you here today and you're with your head bowed and your eye closed, no one looking around, you say, Pastor Joey, yeah, I'm tired of being on my own. I'm tired of being religious. I'm tired of trying to figure things out. I need God in my life. I need Jesus in my life. I need a change. I want him to do for me what he did for Paul. I want him to change my life. I want to, I want to know him as my Lord and Savior. If that's you here today, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you, but if, would you just slip your hand up? Raise your hand and just say, Pastor Joey, that's me. I want to know Jesus. I want to know him as my Lord and Savior. Just slip your hand up. Amen. Amen, I see you. Amen. Praise God. See, beloved, Jesus did all the hard work. You can put your hands down. He did all the hard work. He went to the cross. He conquered death, and he rose again. And he gives us some very simple instructions. Paul tells us in Romans 10, 9 and 10, he says, If you confess Jesus with your mouth, that he is your Lord and Savior, and you believe in your heart God's raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is a promise as sure as I'm standing here. So if you want to know him, you really want to know him, here's your opportunity to begin a relationship with the King of kings and Lord of lords, the creator of heaven and earth. We're going to lead you in a prayer of confession and faith. And I'm going to encourage you, church, to pray this with me, to encourage those around that want to invite Jesus into their life. If that's you here today, my encouragement is that you pray this as if you're praying right before the throne of God, as if Jesus were standing right in front of you. You pray this to him with your whole heart. It's not in these words. We could say this in any number of ways. The important part is your heart is activated with your faith. Today, you're putting your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. If that's you, I encourage you to pray with me. Let's pray together, church. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me and sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. And I thank you that he didn't stay dead, but he rose victoriously from the grave. And that you've promised me, if I trust in Jesus, that I'm going to rise too. So today, I ask you, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, today, 
now and forever. Your Lord, your Savior, I'm following you. Take my life. It's yours, now and forever. Lord God, I just thank you for those who prayed today for the first time. God, I'd ask you right now to come upon them by your Holy Spirit, that you'd fill them from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. God, as your angels are rejoicing in heaven, we rejoice here on the earth, Lord. We rejoice. God, that a sinner that was lost is now found, that another's been adopted. When the enemy thought he had me, you declared I'm a child of God over that life, God, and I just thank you right now in Jesus' name. We praise you, Holy Father, that there are souls right now being healed of all sin, that being washed away, being cleansed, being made new. God, that there is no more record of wrong against them. God, before God, they are righteous and holy, pure and spotless because the glory of Christ is now upon them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, and thank you for letting us be a part of your kingdom work, Heavenly Father. So we maintain an attitude of prayer. There might be some here. You have a relationship with God, but you need healing. Jesus bore our weakness, our sorrows, and our sin. And he offers us healing. And there's some stuff in your life. There's some issues, maybe it's back pain, shoulder pain, maybe it's a chronic illness. There are some things going on in your life that you've been wrestling with. I believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe God is ready and prepared to pour out some healing today. And if that's you, if you've got some stuff going on that you need healing for, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Right where you are, just stand to your feet if you need healing. Thank you. Jesus tells us two very important things in Scripture. He tells us that forgiveness is the pathway to freedom. And often, when we have unforgiveness in our heart, we have an open door to the enemy to work in our lives. And many of the things that we wrestle with are not physical issues, they're spiritual issues. They're spiritual issues. And Jesus tells us, unless we're willing to forgive those who have hurt us, the Lord is not willing to forgive us. So the healing you need may not have come because of a point of unforgiveness in your heart. And so right now, Holy Spirit, I ask you to search their hearts, know every thought. Reveal to them the areas in their lives they need to release and let go. If this is resonating with you, if there's something going on or has something that's been done to you or something you've done that you've not been able to forgive yourself for or maybe there's a circumstance that happened and you have, you have anger against God and you need to offer forgiveness, would you just slip your hand up and say, that's me. That's me. Amen. Amen. We're going to pray a prayer of forgiveness. And I believe that the moment you release this, God's going to touch you. And healing will even begin right now as God begins to repair your broken heart, may even experience healing in your body. This is going to be awesome. So when we pray, 
when we get to the place where we say, I forgive, I want you to speak that person's name out loud. If it's you, if it's God, if it's somebody else, speak their name out loud and tell God what you forgive them for. And then we're going to ask God to bless them in Jesus' name. Because we can't love somebody we hate. And love has the power to overcome a multitude of sins. And so as we pray, you release them. We're going to bless them. And we're going to let the Holy Spirit do his work. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for forgiving me of every wrong I've ever done. That Jesus took all my sin, past, present, and future. And God, I repent of holding grudges against people that have hurt me. And today, I forgive. Go ahead and speak their name. And tell God why you forgive them. And Lord, I ask you to bless them in Jesus' name and heal my broken heart every place that I would be healed and whole just like the reason you died in Jesus' name. For those of you that raised your hand that needed healing, anybody experience God touched them? If you did, raise your hand. Amen. Yes, let's give God a shout of praise. Healing's already begun. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward at this time. We're going to invite us to stand. If you're standing for healing, we're going to encourage you to come forward. And our prayer team is going to pray over your illnesses, your sicknesses, issues in your body. Scripture says that James chapter 5, if we pray for each other, the righteous prayer of a the prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And we believe God is in the business of healing. Healing's already begun. And so as those are coming forward, I encourage the church to stand as Tony leads us in a song. And we're going to begin ministering down here. If you need to come forward, don't wait, don't hesitate. We're not taking numbers. You just come, and we'll pray for all who come forward. From all of us at Vertical Life Church, we want to say thank you for listening. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider making a tax-deductible donation www.blchurch.tv forward slash give. Thank you and God bless.